Bonus Action Podcast, the show that explores 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons one rule at a time in short 15-minute episodes. I'm your host, Sam Dillon, and I'm here with my favorite rock star, respected D&D expert, <laughs> and host of the roundtable, James Interqueso. Hey, hey, Sam, what's going on? I'm happy to be here. Glad to be talking about leveling up, because yeah. that's what we're all about to do. Yeah, yeah, I like it. But before we do that, we want to thank our sponsor for this podcast, NobleKnight.com. Noble Knight is a brick-and-mortar game store with an online presence, a very large online presence, by the way, that specializes in providing out-of-print RPG products. Any edition of any game that you want, they'll have. And if they don't have it, you can put it on your wish list and they'll notify you when it does come in. They also have tons of other tabletop gaming supplies like dice, deck holders, minis, anything like that. And if you're done with your old stuff but you want to give it to a good home, they buy old products that you aren't using anymore. So without further ado, let's hear a quick word from them. Noble 90s in online game store. D&D, they got that and more. And if you think out-of-print games are nice... Shop Noble Knight, cause they've got the best price. And if you got gaming products to sell, then Noble Knight will buy them as well. So go to the place where gaming's the bomb, and head over to NobleKnight.com. And don't forget to tell them the Tone Show sent ya! Wow, that is a great singing voice. Okay, in this episode... We'll be going through the process of leveling up your player character. This is a little bit of a departure for us because we aren't focusing on a single rule, but we hope that you'll find this episode informative and helpful. Where possible, we'll point out page numbers for various items that we bring up. Okay, so let's talk about leveling up. But before we do that, you might have a question, and that question might be, well, how do I even know when it's time for my PC to level up? And this question actually has two possible answers. The first answer is that you should ask your DM. Ask them at the beginning of the campaign if they will be using milestones or tracking experience points, also known as XP. If your DM is using the milestone method, then it's up to him or her to tell you when it's time for your PC to level up. The second answer applies if your DM is not using the milestone method, that is, your DM is tracking experience earned. And if that's the case, then you should have a good idea of how much experience that you have at any given time during the campaign. If your DM gives you XP totals at the beginning or the end of each session, you should be keeping track of your own overall XP. So to find out whether it's time to level up or not, look on page 15 of the Player's Handbook, or if you're using the free D&D Basic PDF, you can look on page 10. On those pages, you'll find the Character Advancement Table, which tells you exactly how many XP you need to reach any given level. To read this chart, you look at your XP amount, and you find the number closest to that amount without going over, just like the price is right. You follow that line to the right, and the next column tells you what level your PC is actually at. third column tells you the proficiency bonus of characters that are that level. We'll talk more about proficiency bonuses in a minute. Okay, on to the first step. The first thing you do when you have determined that it is time to level up, increase your hit dice. Hit dice, or HD, are the dice you roll to determine your maximum hit points when you level up. HD are also used when you heal during a short or long rest. We aren't discussing that use of HD today, but if you'd like to know more about healing and hit dice, listen to Episode 3 of the Bonus Action Podcast. 
back to the current topic, the number of hit dice a PC has is based on their level. For example, a third level PC would have three hit dice, and a sixth level PC would have six HD. So when you level up your PC, you add one hit dice to your total HD. That's pretty easy. It is, and it leads right into the second step, which is determining your maximum hit point value. This is related to the size of your HD pool. The size of your hit dice are based on class. Barbarians get a d12, fighters, paladins, and rangers get a d10, bards, clerics, druids, monks, rogues, and warlocks get a d8, sorcerers and wizards get a d6. For reference, page 45 of the player's handbook contains a table listing all of the classes and the size of their hit dice. That's also found on page 20 of the basic D&D PDF. But that table only contains information for the four classes outlined in that particular document, the cleric, fighter, rogue, and wizard. Now, the size of the hit dice determines how many extra hit points you will get as a result of leveling up. There are two ways that you can determine your new maximum hit points. The first way is to take the average of a single hit dice, that's half of it plus one. So, for example, a d12 has an average of 12 divided by two, that's half of it, which is six, plus one, therefore it's seven. And a d6, in contrast, has an average of six divided by two, which equals three, plus one is four. You then add any constitution modifier that you may have to that total. So if your constitution score is high enough to give you a bonus, you would add it right to that. Finally, you add that number to your previous maximum hit point value. The second way to determine your new maximum hit points is the old-fashioned way that I actually prefer, and that is roll. For this option, you simply roll a single die of the appropriate size, add your constitution modifier, and then add that to your maximum HP. Now, one quick note. If you're leveling up in the middle of a campaign, it is not necessarily automatic that you suddenly have all of the extra hit points that you've just rolled. For example, mm -hmm. if your maximum hit points was 12 and you just leveled up and added 6 to that, you don't necessarily now have 18. You might still have 12 until you take a long rest. So check with your DM on how they want to adjudicate that. Now, the third step is to note any proficiency bonus change that may occur due to the level up. As we noted earlier, the chart on page 15 of the player's handbook or page 10 of the free D&D basic PDF contains the proficiency bonus for each PC level. Each class listing also contains this information in their respective class descriptions. Fifth edition uses a system referred to as bounded accuracy, which means that the proficiency bonus doesn't rise very high throughout the 20 levels covered in the game. PCs of level 1 through 4 have a proficiency bonus of plus 2. Levels 5 through 8 have a proficiency bonus of plus 3. Levels 9 through 12 have a bonus of plus 4. Levels 13 through 16 have a bonus of plus 5. And levels 17 through 20, the topmost tier, gain a proficiency bonus of plus 6. The fourth step is to note any class features that you gain or that improve due to the level up. Class features are listed in the class description section for each individual class type. Generally speaking, each class gets a new class feature based on the path, college, magical tradition, discipline, domain, or archetype, because they call them different things for each class, that was mm -hmm. chosen at character generation. Class paths in general are chosen around level 3. I, in fact, I think for every class at level 3, you choose a path, domain, college, tradition, discipline, or archetype. 
and then you will gain new abilities or improvements on old abilities when you level up in the future. On some levels, starting with level 4, and at various levels thereafter, the PC gets an ability score increase instead of a class feature or improvement. On those levels, you have a choice. Either increase one ability score by two points, or increase two abilities by one point each. On which levels this occurs depends on the class chosen, but I believe every class starts that particular bonus on level 4. That is correct. And the fifth step is to adjust skill and saving throw values that may have changed due to an ability score improvement applied in step four. So when an ability score goes up, it could affect the modifier for that ability score. The ability score modifier table can be found on page 13 of the player's handbook or page 7 of the D&D basic PDF. If a modifier changes, then every skill tool use, and saving throw related to that item will also change. Generally speaking, if the ability score has gone from an odd number to an even number, chances are that the ability modifier for that attribute has increased. Very similarly, the sixth step is to adjust any attack, damage, defense, and or initiative modifiers that may have changed due to steps three through five. When an ability score goes up, it could affect the modifier for that ability score. For example, if a strength modifier changes, it will affect your melee attack roll. If a dexterity modifier changes, it affects your ranged attack bonus. Dexterity also affects your initiative, and possibly your armor class, depending on what type of armor that you wear. Some classes have features that affect those values as well. Now, guess what? If you're a non-casting class, you're now done with the leveling up process. Good job. But... If you are a casting class, the seventh step is to note the increase in spell slots that you have gained due to the level up. The number of spell slots available for each class is given in their respective class description sections, usually on a table at the beginning of the section. For example, a wizard gains two new spells each time they level up. They can add those spells to their spell book, with the only stipulation being that the spells must be of a level for which the wizard has spell slots. In other words, the wizard must be able to cast the spell in order to add it to the spellbook. Clerics, on the other hand, do not have to write spells into a spellbook, but do have to adjust their list of prepared spells and account for their new spell slots. As a third example of how to determine spells known, the bard has a special column on his class table that tells you how many spells the bard knows at any given level. And if you need a refresher on exactly how your class casts spells, check out Bonus Action 9, where we really break that down for you. Keep in mind, spells known, spells prepared, spell slots... They're all different things, so make sure you know what your class has for each of those values. And if you have spells prepared, you probably don't have spells known, and vice versa. Now, related to Step 7 is Step 8. It's also only for casting classes. And that is choosing new spells and cantrips, and then adjusting your spell save DC and your spell attack modifier. So, you choose new spells and cantrips based on the rules for your class, as James just mentioned. 
Because your attributes and or your proficiency might have gone up this level, you should also be sure to check and see if you need to adjust those values. Your spell save DC is equal to 8, plus your proficiency bonus, which may have gone up, plus the attribute modifier appropriate for your class, which also may have gone up, and that is dependent on your class. For example, for clerics, it's wisdom. For wizards, it's intelligence. Your spell attack modifier, for those spells which require an attack roll at all, some of them don't, is a d20 roll, plus your proficiency bonus, plus the attribute modifier appropriate for your class. So, in other words, generally speaking, if your spell save DC goes up, your spell attack roll also went up, because if one of those goes up, it's either because of your proficiency bonus changing or an attribute modifier changing. One thing we haven't mentioned are dead levels. A dead level is any level in which a PC receives no new class features or feature improvements. Some classes have no dead levels. The Barbarian, Fighter, Monk, and Rogue fall into this category. Notice the martial bent on these classes, and you might find a clue as to why the other classes have dead levels and these four do not. Especially powerful classes, such as the Druid, Sorcerer, and Wizard, have 8, 6, and 8, respectively, dead levels. The Cleric has 5, Warlock 4, Paladin, Ranger 3, and Bard 2. So there is a wide variety between classes of differing advances and abilities when leveling up. Don't misunderstand, though. Just because a class has a dead level doesn't mean that no change occurs. Hit dice and hit points will still change. The proficiency bonus for a class might go up, and new spell slots will be added, even if the class is leveling up to a dead level. I think you'll also find that for many of those classes with dead levels, their dead levels occur when a new level of spell slot opens up for them, uh, increasing their spell casting power. The designers of 5th edition have tried to keep this process as smooth and quick as possible, and I think, on the whole, they succeeded. As you can see, just from these eight relatively simple steps, the leveling up process is pretty straightforward. It's slightly more complicated for spellcasters, but it still retains its relative simplicity. You'll also notice that we didn't mention what you need to do if you are multiclassed. That's because that's a big enough topic for its own episode, so look for that on a future installment of Bonus Action. We hope you enjoyed this Level Up discussion. If you like the show, I encourage you to visit thetomeshow.com and use our affiliate links for Amazon and D&D Classics to support the show while you shop. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does throw a few copper pieces into the Tome Show's belt pouch, allowing us to stay on the air. And also, don't forget about our sponsor, NobleKnight.com. Check them out, too, and let them know the Tome Show sent you. I'd like to send a special shout-out to Tome Show listener Druton Haycock. Thanks for listening and for giving us a shout-out on Facebook. We appreciate your support. And if any other listeners out there have suggestions, corrections, or comments, please feel free to leave them at thetomeshow.com, or you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can also call the Tome Show's world-famous biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME, B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. The music used in this episode was composed by Eric Michaels. Sam, where can listeners find you? Oh, you can find me in various different places on The Tome Show. You can find me on Twitter at DM Samuel, and you can find me on my website at rpgmusings.com. 
And you can also find me here on the Tome Show podcasts and on Twitter at twitter.com slash James or follow my blog at worldbuilderblog.me.